What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of B-Shape Daily. Hey, thanks a whole lot for sitting through the advertisement there to start off. And if you skipped ahead, I'm watching you. Now, I'm just kidding, but I do appreciate it if you take the time, 40 seconds or so, listening to the ad at the beginning, put a couple pennies in my pocket. But nevertheless, we're off and running here with another episode of B-Shape Daily, talking about a Cardinals winner this time. It's after midnight already as I start recording this podcast as it was a busy evening if you follow me on twitter at bshafer12 you might have saw me talking about the uh, return to beer league softball that i made this evening that was an unexpected addition to our night when my wife was asked by somebody she works with if we uh, wanted to come play some softball tonight and we said sure and it was a blast it's been about 17 months since i had played some co-ed softball And I held my own out there. Didn't make any outs, base hits, and walks only. So you like to see that during the doubleheader games that we played today. But that means getting a little bit of a late start on the podcast. So I wanted to make sure I got it out there before I went to bed, despite my 6 a.m. wake-up call. So we're going to be locked and loaded, try to get you out of here pretty quickly compared to what a normal episode might look like. I say that now. We could be rambling 25 minutes from now. Who knows? But let's get started talking about a 2-0 Cardinals winner. You might have seen it on YouTube this afternoon as Jack Flaherty opposed Corbin Burns. We talked it up on last night's episode. Go check that one out if you haven't listened to it yet. This was going to be a big pitching matchup, and we knew that the Cardinals were going to have their work cut out for them offensively to try to get something done against Burns. He had been off to a tremendous start to the season before he came down with COVID-19. Asymptomatic, but still had to miss a couple of weeks. And today was his return to action for the Brewers. And he comes into this game with a streak active of the most strikeouts for a starting pitcher to begin a season without walking a batter. I believe he was around 49 to start this game. Adam Wainwright had the previous record at 35 consecutive strikeouts without a walk to begin a season. I believe that was 2013 was the year Adam Wainwright accomplished that feat. But Burns had left him in the dust and was chasing down Kenley Jansen, who had done so as a relief pitcher, so a little bit of a different record. But Corbin Burns now stands alone because he was able to get plenty of strikeouts on the Cardinals before Tommy Edmond draws the first walk of Corbin Burns' season against him. So, a uh, really nice job for Edmund to be able to to break that streak. You would hate to see the conversations going on about, yep, Corbin Burns did it again. Cardinals couldn't draw a walk against him. But, hey, they got one done. And then the Cardinals, crazily, for a 2 nothing game, they drew a ton of walks against the uh, Milwaukee Brewers' bullpen. Seven walks in just four innings against the Milwaukee pen. One of those walks ends up turning into a run in the ninth as the Cardinals book in their scoring with a run in the first and a run in the ninth. There were examples where the Cardinals offense could have gotten more than they did. This was a day where you you know, you know get eight hits, you get seven walks, and you could say they were scattered. You could say the Cardinals did not maximize their scoring opportunities because when you get 15 base runners between eight hits and seven walks, you expect a whole heck of a lot more than two runs. But that's all the Cardinals mustered in this one. They ran into outs. I believe there was at least two guys that were thrown out running the bases, trying to score. I believe it happened a couple of times. One time late in the game, I was I was listening to the radio broadcast at that point, and I think it was Ricky Horton on a fly ball to Lorenzo Cain said, I might test him here. He doesn't have a great arm. And then he throws a dart to home plate to get him. 
So I kind of had to laugh at that in the moment. But that was just the kind of day for the Cardinals offense. They weren't capitalizing on all their chances. They had a runner thrown out at the plate to begin this game. Uh, Got things started offensively the way you want to see against Corbin Burns trying to make him work. And, And that's what we said. You know, they ought to try to do it against Brandon Woodruff yesterday be able to to come out swinging so that you can take the guy off his game try to get that done yesterday didn't work out so well today though a little bit of a better approach with Tommy Edmond leading things off with a base hit and then he steals second base his sixth steal of the season definitely an element of his game that the Cardinals should look to utilize I think more going forward get him into scoring position before anything has really even happened in the game And, and you can do that without having to get an extra base hit when you've got the speed that Edmond does couple of outs later, though, Goldsmith and Carlson weren't able to get it done. Nolan Arenado coming through once again, a base hit, and then that's when things got a little bit wonky because Matt Carpenter gets a hit, but the ball kind of caroms around. Nolan Arenado thinks he's got to play. The relay home gets him. So Cardinals run into it out in the first inning. You think, yeah, that's kind of rough because you figure they're going to need every opportunity that they can get against Corbin Burns. Uh, but You know who the Cardinals had on their side? Mr. Jack Flaherty. And he was every bit of fantastic today for the Cardinals. Or I guess yesterday by the time I'm recording this technically. Six innings, four hits, two walks, six Ks, and another big-time goose egg for the Cardinals, a starting pitcher. Lowers his ERA for the season to 2.47. And if you look over his last seven starts, throw out the first one, which I know you can't do, but we're going to do it anyway for the purposes of this exercise to say, you know, there was some circumstances in that opening day start in Cincinnati. It was cold, wasn't into the rhythm of the season yet, just wasn't at his best. But in the seven starts since that game, which the Cardinals did win, by the way, the Cardinals have not lost in a Jack Flaherty start this season because in the seven starts since the opening day outing, Flaherty is 7-0 with a 1.47 ERA. 43 innings, seven earned runs. He's been absolutely sensational And he really has gotten better as the season has gone along. And we talked about this with regard to his rhythm and being able to find that rhythm. It was going to be much easier in this season than it ever could have been in 2020. And Jack Flaherty, you know, he's talked about the fact that last year was a challenge for him. There were obvious challenges there. It wasn't that anything was wrong physically with Jack Flaherty, but the Cardinals made the decision to take things slowly with him following the COVID outbreak for the team. Wanted to make sure that in a 60-game season that nobody was sure if it was ever going to reach its conclusion, honestly, at a point in time. That's not the year where you want to blow out Jack Flaherty's arm. No year is, but they wanted to make sure, and Jack Flaherty was appreciative of the fact that the Cardinals were going to take care of him physically, have him on a, a diminished schedule, and then when he does get back into the rotation, it's on a pitch count, making sure they're building him up more slowly. They protected him. They put him in bubble wrap, and you know, for, I think Flaherty has, has been open about the fact that he's grateful, appreciative of the fact that they were they were looking out for his health and not trying to to risk him pushing too hard in 2020 that could potentially put him out for future seasons. They made sure he stayed healthy, and that's all well and good. But the fact of the matter is, and Jack Flaherty's not a guy who would make excuses. Has talked about it being challenging, but isn't using that as any sort of justification for last year, not being quite as sharp as he would hope to be in 2021, as sharp as he was, especially over the latter half of 2019. But it only stands to reason when you're throwing into mattresses and hotel rooms 
and you don't make a start for 15 days or whatever it was. I mean, it was a long time between starts for Jack Flaherty when you add in the COVID shutdown and then the fact that he was, it would have been his turn up coming pretty soon. I believe he was going to pitch that night in Milwaukee when the shutdown first took place. And then he was the last pitcher when the Cardinals revamped the rotation heading out of that COVID shutdown to get a chance to start a game. The Cardinals were just that careful with him. And then when he does get into a game, it's on a very severely limited pitch count. And it took him several starts to be able to build back up. And so that was just the nature of his season last year. But Jack Flaherty is demonstrating right now kind of the momentum style of pitching that he is very capable of using. And he he rode the wave in 2019. Starting in July all the way to the end, he was ridiculous. He was Bob Gibson. And he was able to accomplish all of those things as a result of finding a rhythm, sticking with it, and just going out and flat dominating. Now you're starting to see Flaherty kind of come into his own once again in 2021. First start against Cincinnati, kind of throw that out. Circumstances, understandably, the first game back, not great weather. You can you can see how that would have been a little bit of a struggle for him. But then he starts to find it back, comes out in his next outing against the Miami Marlins, and has a pretty good start, goes six innings, doesn't give up any runs. But what you saw there was a trend that I think over the first few games he kind of had a little bit of trouble with. And that was the four walks that he had in that game, certainly the most that he's had in any one game this season. And though he didn't have quite as high of walk totals in the subsequent starts that he made, the efficiency concerns, I think, were still a byproduct of a little bit of nibbling around the strike zone, not coming after hitters quite as early in counts. And you look at what a guy like Adam Wainwright has been able to do getting as deep into games as he has. I think Wainwright at this stage in his career is not a, you know, he'll take a strikeout, but he's talked about looking for those nine pitch innings, those 10 pitch innings to be able to keep himself in games for longer. Wainwright has basically said, and this isn't necessarily realistic, but whichever inning it is, that's what I want the first digit of my pitch count to be at. If I'm in the second inning, I want to be at 20-something pitches. If I'm in the third, I want to be at 30-something pitches. That obviously gets harder to do as a game goes along because mathematically the ratio gets thrown off. If you've thrown 40 pitches in three innings, that's only 13.33 per inning, but that's that's still, according to Wainwright's situation, what he's striving for, you know, not quite good enough. But then you could be at six innings and throwing 70 pitches and that's a much better rate that's under 12 pitches per inning so it kind of doesn't make a lot of sense mathematically but as a pitcher it's all about the mindset and you may not be able to accomplish it by the time you get into the later innings but that kind of goes to show what Wainwright's mindset is as he goes through each individual inning like hey if I'm a little bit behind the eight ball on pitch count right now here's time for a seven eight nine pitch inning to get me back on track And that's the way he approaches every hitter. He loves the idea of a one-pitch, one-out. Try to make it happen quick. Flaherty, especially early on, I think was doing a little bit too much nibbling. And I don't know whether that was a product of him not trusting his stuff quite as much to be able to go out there and attack hitters uh, if it's just a matter of feel for pitches. Because sometimes you're trying to attack and you're trying to get the ball regularly in the strike zone and you're just not able to execute your pitches the way you want to. Or is it just a matter of Flaherty being able to find that rhythm, settle into his season? I think that's such an important thing for him because of the fact that I've 
talked about him as a momentum pitcher. And again, it doesn't have to be something he would necessarily agree with. He, he would say his job is to go out there every time and do the job and execute pitches. But we can look at it from the outside and say, when this guy finds a little bit of momentum, history shows us that he's able to build upon that and really just start to dominate games. And after he's kind of had that April where, again, the numbers were good, he was consistently throwing up solid outings, but pitch count was getting a little bit high, and so he went six innings, five innings, six innings. It's like, all right, we're, we're starting to get a little bit somewhere. Can we get more efficient? He throws seven innings against Cincinnati, another six against Pittsburgh, and then gets a seven against Colorado before the six-inning outing today. So, And today he was over 100 pitches. Talk about that pitch count. That's not quite at that 15-per-inning mark if you really want to even be a little more generous than Wainwright would be with himself because 15-per-inning, that could be 90 pitches over six, totally gives you a chance to go out there for the seventh. And while every starter would say I should be going nine innings, seven innings is a, a great average to hold. If you're able to get to that point every time, you're doing something right. So for Flaherty, still I think a little bit matter of, you know, it's not that he tries to strike out everybody. Uh, he's got really good stuff. He goes a little bit deeper, though, into counts, I think, is is what ends up taking place rather than maybe being willing to. And again, he's not as much of a pitch-to-contact guy as Wainwright, so it's a little tougher for that to be the case. And if you've got really good stuff, and Jack Flaherty certainly does, sometimes you might be causing guys to foul tip balls that otherwise might be weakly hit into fair play. But because it's a foul tip or you know just barely gets a piece of one, you're having to continue that at bat, and you're not you're not able to put that guy away just yet. So, some some factors in there for for Flaherty that make it a little bit tougher to find that efficiency. But he's certainly, I mean, you look over the course of his last now five starts, each one of them have been at least six innings, and he's had a couple of sevens sprinkled in there as well. He is finding his footing, hitting his stride with regard to efficiency, and I think that's the key to unlock him from bona fide ace, which he already is, to legit. Cy Young front runner, which I certainly think he can be. If you have that at the top of your rotation, talking about Adam Wainwright going out every other start and pitching into the ninth, you're really on to something there. Even without Carlos Martinez right now, you've got pieces in that rotation that just continue to pass the baton. Give it to the next guy in the rotation, make something happen that day, and that's what the Cardinals have really been able to do. Kwon Young Kim, talking about efficiency, not quite there, I think, where he wants to be, uh, hasn't had the deep outings that he wants, but I think he's more than capable. We saw it last year that he could be an efficient guy, pitching to contact especially when he's trusting his fielders and able to keep the ball in the ballpark. Good things can happen for Kwon Young Kim. The numbers have been there. ERA is really solid. Just looking for more innings to put a little bit of a lesser strain on the bullpen, although to this point the bullpen has picked up the gauntlet and has said, we can handle this. We're ready for it for the most part. I mean, you saw another example of it today. Alex Reyes, man. And we'll get back to talking about the starting rotation a little bit before we wrap up. Got to make it a quick podcast. You wouldn't believe how long it's been during this recording. I've had to continue to stop. My laptop is utter garbage and hates me. I'm not too fond of it right now either. But since it's past 1 a.m., we're going to try to wrap things up soon. But I wanted to talk about a couple more things before we get out of here. Not going to spend a lot of time on the offense today since this was more of a conversation about the pitching and that's what's really held the Cardinals through this win streak that they're on uh, recent winning ways I should say they're not on a win streak anymore because they did lose the middle game to the Brewers however they won the rubber game that's important the first time they've done that all season 
winning a rubber game when you go into a three-game series tied 1-1. One one. I believe they were 0-5 before this one, losing their last series on April 21st. But that's the other thing. They haven't lost a series since April 21st because they've been able to they split a couple of four-gamers, and then they've been able to sweep a lot of series as well. So it's just been a really good time to be a, a Cardinals fan and to watch this team excel. One of those players, though, that I'm continuing to talk around but wanted to mention is Alex Reyes who got his 11th save, by the way, today. The over-under 14.5, he's going to shatter that maybe within the next week. But, hey, we didn't know for sure that he would land as the Cardinals' closer and stick in that role for the entirety of the season. And maybe he won't. Maybe they, you know, you never know what could happen down the road. But right now, I don't think you mess with perfection. That's pretty much what Alex Reyes has been as far as the results, right? The process, you'd like to see things go a little bit differently at times. When have we not said that about a Cardinals' closer? seems like they are always allowing base runners and having to pitch around traffic. And I believe I saw the stat on the YouTube broadcast today. Six times Reyes this season has walked the first batter of an inning coming into an outing. So definitely something he would like to improve upon, I'm sure. But the fact that he's able to bear down, settle into his games after that, throw in the slider, which has really, really been nasty for him the last couple of games, and able to, to kind of lean on that pitch when the other pitches location wasn't quite exactly where he wanted it to be down the road imagine if he's locating with his fastball which is what he said in the postgame zoom today that's his intent he wants to pitch off of his fastball it's not his goal to go out there and and throw sliders as kind of his main primary pitch but it's what's been working for him and good on on the the catching core Andrew Kisner getting the start today does a very nice job once again deserves a little bit of credit for the job he's done behind the plate for the Cardinals in kind of spelling Yadier Molina during certain times of this season. And he did have a base hit today as well. So finding out that, hey, Reyes maybe isn't where he wants to be with the fastball, let's lean on what works. In that previous outing, I recall, he had a game where he had the final two strikeouts on six straight sliders. That's kind of been the story of him over the last week or so. Uh, But certainly he's got more pitches. He knows he's got it there to be able to explore that repertoire a little bit deeper as he kind of settles in. But look, if, if you're doing that and you say there's still another gear for me to unlock in my game and yet your ERA is down to 0.45 and you've got 11 for 11 in save opportunities, not going to really complain much about that. Struck out the side in today's outing despite allowing a walk and a hit in the ninth inning of the game today. He's been absolutely sensational for the Cardinals. Gallegos Cabrera, and Cabrera deserves a little bit of credit too. I will get to John Gant, but love what we're seeing from those guys. Both Gallegos and Cabrera get a hold in today's game. Strikeout apiece, ERAs in the low 2.5 range below that 2.5 number. That's your formula for a really quality bullpen win for the Cardinals. Having those three guys, you're probably your threeest high leverage relievers at this point in time given Jordan Hicks is on the mend. Uh, you, you love what you're seeing out of those guys. And it allows you to basically shorten games to say, well, our starter is a stud who's only going to give up one or two runs, if that, didn't give up anything today. And then after that, if we've got a lead, yeah, we expect we're going to be able to go to these three guys and pretty much wrap things up. Doesn't happen that way every time, but it's been a pretty darn reliable formula so far this season for the Cardinals. Speaking of reliable, as we were kind of talking about the rotation, John Gant deserves credit and I kind of want to juxtapose expectations for him, given that he's in that number five role, with what we're talking about with efficiency with the other guys. You'd love to see John Gant be more efficient. 
But if you just look at the makeup of his team, him as the number five starter, if he's going out there and throwing five, five and a third, maybe scratching the surface of six innings in some of those outings and only consistently giving up zero, one, or two runs as he's been doing time in and time out in his turn in the rotation, that's something you're going to take every time out because you know you've got the bullpen pieces to be able to cobble it together late in the game. Yeah, you don't want to have to use them for four innings every fifth day, kind of knowing that that's been the limitation set by John Gantt so far. But when you've got a lead in that spot, you're not really complaining. The relievers are going to be glad to come into a situation where they're in the lead, getting to try to hold it down, and being able to execute in those spots. A number five starter with an ERA in the twos, you're going to take that every time. So you don't have any issue with what John Gant has been doing. Couple it, though, with Flaherty, with Wainwright starting to hit their strides for sure with regard to efficiency, getting deep into games. Maybe there will be some days where they do allow the bullpen to have a little bit of a rest. And Kwon Young Kim, as we mentioned, I think he is capable of being able to bring it back with more efficiency in his upcoming outings. We'll see Johan Oviedo get another crack at the starting rotation. He struggled in his last start in Memphis, but the injuries necessitated him to return to the major leagues. So he'll get another chance, hoping to prove that he can stick at this level. But, you know, you might get Miles Michaelis, too, back within the next couple of weeks to potentially fill that spot. And, and who knows how long Carlos Martinez will be out. Maybe it won't be all that long. The foot and ankle injury kind of was discussed as being a little precautionary an area of the foot that could be a little bit dicey if it gets worse. And so that's why they wanted to step off of it and let him heal and rest up. So we'll see if it's a few weeks before he makes his way back. But right now the Cardinals pitching just continues to be honestly the primary reason that this team is in as good of a position as they're in right now atop the National League Central. Really impressive stuff to go take down the Brewers the way the Cardinals did this week. And now they're coming up on the San Diego Padres, who I know are a little bit down in the dumps right now due to COVID kind of having their way with that roster. And you're not going to see Fernando Tatis. You're going to be missing several of the the key players on that club in this series. But as Tim McCarver would say, this is the big leagues, man. And the Cardinals don't have to feel too sorry about it facing the Padres, a team that kicked their butts in the postseason last year. Cardinals want to go into San Diego and take two or three at a minimum. And if they can do that, they're going to be really riding high because that would be a couple of real quality series wins on a road trip. So we'll see what the Cardinals are able to get done against a depleted San Diego team this weekend. I am probably not going to be doing too much in the way of podcasting this weekend for the reason that it is my anniversary coming up with my wife and we are taking a little weekend trip for that. So be on the tweets at bshafer12. Might try to get a podcast in over the next couple of days, but it's going to be a little dicey. Probably Friday we can do one, but then Saturday is going to be a no-go, I'm thinking, until potentially Tuesday. So be aware of that coming up. We'll be really excited to recap everything that we've missed. But I'm thinking Friday's episode, that one might be the last for a couple of days. But I'll give you more of an update tomorrow on that when we record that episode. So appreciate you guys for joining and listening along, as always. It means a whole lot to me. Don't be shy with the subscribe button, whether you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any of the other dozen places it seems like you could find b-shape daily subscribe baby you know you want to do it it'll make me smile even if i won't necessarily know i mean you could tell me you could say hey this was the one that finally did it i decided to subscribe after not having done so you can message me direct message at b-shape for 12 on twitter i'd be like all right that's lit i appreciate you the kids still say lit sometimes i do this thing where i try to like 
sarcastically talk like I'm a youngster and use their language and, and the, the kind of phrases they use, I don't know if lit is still in. And if it's not, that almost makes it even better because it makes me look like an out-of-touch old guy. But doesn't matter to me. Appreciate it once again, and we will talk to you next time. Should be tomorrow on B-Shape Daily.